1: Between the years when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of, when shining kingdoms lay spread across the world. Hither came Conan, the Cimmerian, sword in hand. It is I, his chronicler, who knows well his saga. Now let me tell you of the days of high adventure.
0: for that, I think you'll find this a bit more interesting.
2: Hello and welcome to an all-new episode of Just Another Fanboy, the podcast with gigantic melancholies and gigantic mirth. I'm your host, my name is Stephen, and hey, I want to talk to you today about Conan Conan the Barbarian. This is a character made most famous, I think, by Arnold Schwarzenegger, who played the uh, barbaric hero in Conan the Barbarian, a movie from 1982, and then again in Conan the Destroyer from 1984. Jason Momoa also played Conan in a reboot or readaption or whatever Conan the Barbarian from 2011. But I'm not here to talk about the movies. I'm actually here to talk about the books and the comics. See, this was a character created by Robert E. Howard back in the 30s. His first appearance was in the short story, The Phoenix on the Sword from 1932. And it was in that story that Conan is described as Conan the Sumerian, black-haired solenide, sword in hand a thief a reaver a slayer with gigantic melancholies and gigantic mirth to tread the jeweled thrones of the earth under his sandaled feet which I've always enjoyed that description i think that's a it's a it's an excellent description of a character especially in their first story and you know what i rather like the idea of just being out there Treading the jeweled thrones of earth under my sandaled feet. But honestly, when I really give that a lot of thought, it sounds like a lot of work. Anyway, a number of years ago, I bought this book. I had been really in the mood to read some Conan because I had some past experience with the character. You know, I had seen Conan the Destroyer, which I believe was PG or PG 13. I hadn't seen Conan the Barbarian. Uh, at the time, because it was rated R. And so when Conan the Destroyer came out, I think on HBO, because we certainly didn't go see it in the theaters, I just, I would watch it all the time. I was huge into the whole sword and sorcery thing as a kid, still am, uh, read a lot of fantasy novels, and uh, read a bit of Conan in the Marvel Comics, uh, who had the license for a while back in the 70s. Dark Horse picked up the license in the 2000s, and I read some of that. And then Marvel has since got the license back. But a, a number of years back, I had just begun thinking. I, I was just, I think I was working my second job at the Walgreens, and I was uh, up at the counter trying to avoid work between customers. And I, I got to thinking about the character and how I had owned a couple of books that. Uh, I don't know if my brother picked them up or my dad picked them up but they were a couple of paperbacks and I I remember them being around the house but I never read them and I do recall at one point picking up a hardback of a Conan book that Robert Jordan had written because before he became famous from writing the the Wheel of Time series he had written some Conan stuff. And I, I, again, I don't remember anything about that book. If it was a collection of Robert Jordan, Conan short stories or or if it was a full novel, I will have to check into that, but I just, I got to really thinking about how much I would probably enjoy reading Conan in the form of prose. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, I would probably really enjoy reading the Robert Jordan stuff, but I should probably start with the, 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 the original Robert E Howard stories. And so I had picked up my phone and I started to look around on, on Amazon to see what they had for the, the Kindle. And I had found a collection that was even on the Kindle was like 35, 45 bucks or something. And I just found that to be rather insane. And so I just kind of walked away from the whole affair and, Became really sad, and then a day or two later, I get this alert from Amazon saying, "Hey, here's something that you might be interested in because you were uh, looking at Conan stuff, and it was a a different collection of short stories, the original, the original twenty one short stories, and it was only ninety nine cents. It was on sale. It was ninety nine cents for the Kindle, and so I picked that sucker up. It was called Conan: The Collected Adventures." of the world's fiercest barbarian. And again, it collects all 21 short stories that Robert E. Howard had written. And 17 of those stories uh, did see print during his lifetime. He, he sold a lot of them to uh, various magazines and whatnot. But I remember at one point, I, I started to read these short stories. And the first one in there is a story. Uh, in the book, it's entitled the gods of the north and as i started reading it i realized wait a minute this is the the frost giant's daughter which is uh, i think i had a paperback with that story in it uh, the 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 cover seems familiar to me but it was uh, a story i remember reading in the dark horse run and so i i read it in the book and i i kept going i i i went through a number of the short stories before i realized at one point because i started doing some research online and found out that uh the way the stories are collected in this book, they're collected uh, chronologically in Conan's history. Um, if Conan was a real person, uh, the Frost Giant's daughter, or in this case, the the title in the in the the collection was the Gods of the North, would have been Conan's first adventure. and then eventually I think the Phoenix on the Sword is the last story or one of the last stories in the book. And it's set at a time when Conan has become a king. And I was, I was just freaking flabbergasted and blown away to find out that The Phoenix on the Sword was actually the first of the Conan stories that were published. And, uh, I found that kind of amazing because I knew that Conan eventually had become a king. Uh, they make mention of it in the movies. They had a book, uh, Marvel Comics had a book called Conan the King, but I had always assumed uh because the Marvel comics started when he was um you know young uh, uh late teens probably and eventually he gets to the point that he's a uh, a king that that's how the the stories went but no he had a I don't know the order in which he wrote them because doing some some more research I found out that he had actually had both the Phoenix on the Sword and the Frost Giant's daughter along with a third story the God in the Bowl, and that he had submitted all three of those to a magazine called Weird Tales. Uh, the The Phoenix on the Sword was the only one that was accepted. The other two were rejected and, and returned to to Mister Howard. Uh, and so, The Phoenix on the Sword became the first Conan story published. And so, he had. I I don't know. I find it interesting that he had this. Um, at least a, a range of stories set throughout Conan's career. He had the Frost Giant's Daughter, which is considered the, the, uh, uh, Conan's earliest adventure, and then the Phoenix on the Sword, which is considered Conan's, uh, like one of his final adventures. But what I want to do here, though, with these, uh, series of episodes that I'm taking, I'm taking a really long time to explain, um, it's been a while since I've, read any of those short stories out of that collection and and frankly I've I've never finished because I had started from the beginning read three or four of the stories learned that they're not collected in the order in which they were published and then decided to try and read them in the order in which they were published which is is not an easy it's it's not always an easy thing to do to jump back and forth among stories like that in a Kindle I mean I mean, it is, it's got a frickin', uh, table of contents that you can just click on the, the stories. But anyway, I never finished reading that collection. And many of those stories, I don't know actually, actually how many of them, what percentage, but, uh, at least a few of them have been adapted into comic books, be it through, uh, the Marvel series or the Dark Horse series, or there's a, a, a company called Ablaze, which, Around the same time that Marvel got the Conan license, Ablaze is able to to do. I guess I guess the Conan stories are maybe they are um in the public domain at this point, but the name Conan isn't, and so Ablaze does a series of comics, uh, mini series comics under the title The Cimmerian, which is apparently how they can get away with doing Conan stories. They can call him Conan within the books, but they can't call him Conan on the title because Marvel holds that license. Anyway, what I thought I'd do is I'd go uh, back through the collection, starting with uh, the, the first story and uh, read the short story and then read as many of the comic book adaptions as I could get my hands on and then start talking about them here on Just Another Fanboy. So, again, the first one, the, the one we're talking about today is called The Frost Giant's Daughter. Uh, It appears in the uh, prose collection as a story called The Gods of the North, which I find it kind of odd that they're using that title in the collection. Because based on my research, when Robert E. Howard had this story and he had it called The Frost Giant's Daughter and he submitted it to Weird Tales and it was rejected, he changed the the name of the main character from Conan to Amra of Arkbatana. And he changed the title then to The Gods of the North and resubmitted it to a magazine called The Fantasy Fan, and it appeared there in March of 1934. It then eventually got reprinted as a Conan story uh, for Gnomes Press in 1953 uh, for something called The Coming of Conan. And I don't know if it retained the title at that point, uh, The Gods of the North, or if they went ahead and gave it the original title, "The Frost Giant's Daughter," in that uh, that that publication, which I don't know if that's a magazine or a collection of stories, I, I don't know, of, or or if it's a one of those like one of those paperbacks that I have that that has three or four of the short stories together in one paperback. But it's in this collection that I'm reading under the name of "The Gods of the North," and it's actually a, a fairly simple tale. Uh, Conan is in the north. Uh, uh, in the land of the ice and snow. And he is at this point, he's, he's kind of a, a, a traveling warrior. Um, I don't know if he's considered a mercenary at this point, but he is, he's fighting with a group of people called the Iser. I, I, I had to, I, I found many pr- ways to, to pronounce this, uh, the name of these people. Um, apparently this, uh, a lot of this comes from, um, Norse mythology. He was, uh, Robert Howard was very inspired by Norse mythology. And so the, the, the frost giant's daughter takes place in Nordheim, which is, um, in this world is located north of Sumeria, which is where Conan comes from. Um, and again, he's fighting with these, uh, warriors called the Acer and they are, uh, or Icer, and they are fighting the Vanir. And as the tale takes up, the the battle is is pretty much over. Everybody on each side is dead except for Conan and a red-haired veneer. And Conan of course slays his enemy and as he's standing there in the snow covered in blood, tired and exhausted, uh suddenly he is visited by a half-naked lady who calls herself Atali. She is wearing a um kind of like a a, a veil, uh, a pashmina maybe of some sort, wrapped around her upper torso. It's very transparent. It doesn't leave a lot to the imagination. And uh, she she kind of mocks Conan and in essence kind of angers him and builds up his lust and kind of tricks him into following her. And she takes him to an ambush where he is attacked by her two brothers, who are frost giants. And Conan, of course, kills them both. And he chases down Atali, and he grabs her up in her arms. And Atali calls out to her father, Ymir, to save her. And Conan, who uh, there's really no bones about it, he is about to rape this woman. When her father uh, saves her uh, using a uh, a lightning strike, because Ymir is the is is a god, he's a the god of the frost giants or or, or something of some sort. So Conan is knocked unconscious by this lightning strike, and when he wakes, he is uh, he finds himself in the company of his uh, the, the, the the Icer who he had been fighting with, or or at least a, a group of them that were not part of the battle. And it's almost played off as if this encounter that he had with Atali, the, the frost giant's daughter, uh, was a figment of his imagination or a dream. But then he realizes at the end of the story that he's still holding on to this translucent veil thing that she had been wearing around her torso. Now, I will say that I I'm of all the Conan stories that I've read so far. Whether they are comic book stories or prose stories, this is really not one of my favorites. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that Conan was, uh, going to rape this woman. And there's a lot of, if, if you, if you look up this story online and you look at the debate, there's a lot of debate that goes back and forth. Um, and a lot of it, uh, that defends, you know, a lot of the, 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 from the people that defend the story basically say that, under normal circumstances, this is not something that Conan would do, but Atali, being a, the daughter of a god and a witch, used her magic to basically, uh, ensnare him, uh, sexually, uh, that, that she uses her magic to raise his lust. And that's what she uses to, to, to cause him to chase her. And so therefore, uh, it's her fault that <laughs> he was going to rape her. And I've even seen some of the arguments basically say that had, uh, if, if Ymir had not saved her, then she would have gotten what she deserved. And I'll just say I, I don't agree with that in, in any sense. Um, not a big fan of any story in which, uh, the main character that you're supposed to be cheering for uh either attempts to or is going you know wh- whether they 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 do rape a woman or they attempt to rape a woman i'm just i'm not a big i'm not a fan of that i can't i can't get behind that even if um i don't know even if they are i mean i guess if he truly was I'm trying to find the word that i'm looking for i don't want to say he was magicked to uh to to rape this woman but in essence that's that's one of the arguments and you can certainly make that argument i mean it's it's not spelled out, it doesn't really say that in the story. It's kind of something that you would have to make up your own mind about. I don't I don't remember thinking that when I read the story. I don't remember finishing the story and thinking um that he was being forced against his will to chase down this woman and then uh, attempt to rape her. I remember finishing the story going, "Wow. Uh yeah, he was going to rape this girl that i don't know if i want to even continue with any of these stories and eventually i did uh but not a big fan of this particular story because of that and for those folks out there who do try to defend it i just i can't get behind that defense i just i just can't because again when i read it i don't know maybe maybe my memory has been clouded by the act of attempted rape and i missed That aspect of it, but I just I honestly don't remember anywhere in the story in which it's made clear that he's doing this against his will that magic is being used uh, against him. Now, beyond the prose version of this story, this uh, story has been adapted into a number of comics. Originally, uh, for Marvel Comics, when they originally got the the Conan license, they printed this story in in Savage Tales issue number one. January of nineteen seventy one it was an eleven page story, Black and white by uh, writer Roy Thomas and artist Barry Windsor Smith. This was, of course, uh, I believe it's it was one of the magazines that Marvel published at the time, and because it was a magazine, they were not they didn't have to follow the rules of the comics code authority. so while it's not graphic, uh, there is a slight bit of nudity in it from from what I remember. Uh, it was reprinted in Conan the Barbarian issue number 16 from April of 1972 in color. It has an extra page. So it's, it's 12 pages. This is again through Marvel Comics. And it was, uh, because I, I, having, having looked through these and, and, and rereading them, there is at least one panel in which, uh, in the original, um, Atali, and I don't remember if that's the name she's given in the comic and, Looking it up here, just, just, I I just looked it up and it is Atali. That's, that's the name she's given in the comic. Uh, but she, there, uh, there's at least one panel that in the original, she's standing there with that thin, transparent gossamer veil in front of her, her chest area. And you can see through it in the Savage Tales version, but you cannot see through it in the Conan the Barbarian version, which is, uh, because that is, it wasn't a magazine. It was a comic book at that point, and so it fell under the Comics Code Authority guidelines. Uh, They reprinted it a third time for Savage Sword of Conan, number one, from June of 1974. This was another black and white magazine. So again, 12 pages, Roy Thomas and Barry Windsor Smith. Then in 2004, when Dark Horse picked up the license, in issue number two, of their comic that they just titled Conan, uh, from March of 2004. They did a, a 22 page adaptation of The Frost Giant's Daughter. It was written by Kurt Busick, uh, art by Carrie Nord, letters by Richard Starkings, and the colorist was David Stewart. They added a bit to the story because, uh, again, this was issue number two of the series and they were trying to do kind of a uh, not, uh, uh separate stories per issue they kind of were were trying a like a like a five to six issue storyline as they were known to do at that point you know they started to do to I don't want to I don't want to use the term right for the trade but that's what a lot of stories had started doing and so um they just kind of wove the frost giant's daughter into the main story that they were uh that they were telling there over those five or six issues and so the, the the events of The Frost Giant's Daughter appeared in issue number two of that book. And then the only other comic book adaptation that I'm aware of is uh, from Ablaze Comics, which I talked about earlier. They did a three-issue mini uh, called The Cimmerian, The Frost Giant's Daughter. It ran from December of 2020 to February of 2021. Uh, each issue was 32 pages. It was written by Robin Recht. And uh, uh, also art by Robin Recht. They also have Robert E. Howard listed as the writer. Uh, I believe that they actually were reprinting the short story um, in installments in the back matter of each three of these issues. And this is this is a, uh, a, a an extended adaptation. I mean, they took what, in essence, you know, Marvel Comics did a 11 page adaptation of this story and that was really all you needed because again there's not a lot to this tale it's literally just conan fights a dude in the in in the in the ice and snow he wins this half naked girl appears and she's like oh hey big muscly warrior guy follow me he he chases her he is uh, ambushed by two frost giants he kills them both he snatches her up and then she's saved by her father, and uh he wakes up to learn that it might have been a dream and that it actually wasn't. This, however, they they add a lot to it. They the the whole first issue is the battle uh between the uh Icer and the veneer. And uh Tolly is watching the battle. Um, she's very into it. Uh, there's, you know, it's one of the things that I did kind of leave out is, is, is that it seems that she likes to, uh, choose the, the mightiest warrior and, um, then present that warrior's heart to her father uh, as a gift, basically. And so she's watching the battle and she's, she's really into it. She's waiting for the, to, to, to pick out the, the mightiest warrior. And then at the end of the issue, of course, we're learned that, that mighty warrior is Conan. And so, there's a lot in the second issue where he actually travels with her for a little bit, uh, spends the night. And it's, it's like the next day that, uh, she, she starts mocking him and taunting him. that he starts chasing her and her, 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 her two brothers that he ends up fighting are, end up not being frost giants in this, but two well, they're two giant polar bears. Um, and then everything kind of, kind of, happens the way it does in the story. I mean, all that is there, but there's just a lot more added to it. And this particular version of Conan, these, these Sumerian books are, uh, uncensored, as they say, they're for mature readers. And so there's, there's nudity in this story. Um, and there's even, uh, almost a, a drawn out, um, scene where, um, and, and it might be if I'm trying to remember now, because it's been a, a couple of days since I read it. And reading all these back to backs, they 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 kind of flow into each other a bit. But I, I believe it is when here. I'll tell you what. Let me just look it up real quick. Y'all talk amongst yourselves. I mean, really, it's not going to there, there, there's not a lot you're going to have to do to uh, occupy yourself as I'm looking this up because any dead time, any 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 dead air, I'm just going to edit out anyway. But there's a whole segment in the, in the second issue, because the whole part of the storyline where she is trying to entice him, um, takes place over most of the second issue. Uh, and she's really like, uh, she's, she's showing him some stuff. And at one point as he's chasing her, uh, he falls into a pit And there's like all these dead warriors around him or whatnot. And she takes that time to start, uh, well, she starts touching herself in a, in a rather private way. And, uh, so yeah, it's, while the, the book isn't hardcore pornographic, it's definitely, uh, a mature reader's book. It's, I think one of the issues I saw online, uh, has it listed as ages 16 and up, which is, uh, um, yeah, it's issue number three. The other two just say mature and issue three says mature and then in parentheses 16 and up. So I don't know if that means that they consider the the first two issues more mature uh, than the third issue and that um, the third issue is only kind of mature if, if you're 16, you, you're, you're fine. But uh, or, or if all three are considered 16 and up, but I think it would be silly to have the first two issues be rated uh, more mature than the third issue. That would be kind of like having a, a trilogy of movies and each one are, are, are rated differently. But, you know, it is what it is. Not really sure why I'm really going into so much detail in regard to the ratings on that particular book. But looking back over the various adaptations of The Frost Giant's Daughter, I... Uh, I don't know if I had to choose one that was my favorite it would be this newest one the Sumerian 3 issue mini series if only because it I don't know it expands more upon the story it takes this idea that Robert E Howard had created and made it into something just well, well they just fleshed it out a bit more now having read the issues however I don't know that I would have enjoyed Purchasing these issues, you know, as single issues and reading the story each month, because even with them, you know, padding out, fleshing out the story, there, there's still not a whole lot to it. And so when you read each issue by itself and then you have to wait a month for the next issue, they're just, it doesn't feel like there's a lot there until you put it all together and read all three issues at the same time. Uh, the art was gorgeous. Now the art's really good on all three adaptations, whether it's Barry Windsor Smith, over there on the the Marvel version, um Carrie Nord on the Dark Horse version, or Robin wrecked here on the Sumerian. The the art is is gorgeous on all three. And uh I don't know. I mean I would like I said I would probably choose the Sumerian as my favorite of the three adaptations, but all in all, the story itself I'm not a big fan of. I've I've said that already. It's not it's not one of my favorite Conan stories. It's probably uh having not read all 21 of them yet at this point it's probably my least favorite of all the conan stories which is kind of a shame because most collections of robert e howard's conan stories start out with the frost giant's daughter because they tend to when they when they put these collections together they tend to uh, uh list the stories in order of conan's um the 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 incredible in in chronological terms, in regard to Conan's fictional uh, life, so even though the Phoenix on the Sword, which is set at the end, you know, when Conan is a king, um, is was the first one that got published. The Frost Giant's Daughter is the first one that they print in these collections because it's set in early in Conan's history. The first, uh, what would be the first story in Conan's fictional life, basically. So. Yeah. And I don't have the the collection in front of me. Otherwise, I would tell you what I'm going to be reading for the next time around. Actually, you know what? That's kind of a stupid thing to say, because my phone is literally sitting on a table right behind me. Let me just grab it real quick. All right. So the next story that I will be reading is The Tower of the Elephant. It does have... uh, It looks like it's been adapted uh by Marvel it was adapted by Dark Horse but i'm not quickly finding if uh ablaze has done uh, a version of it for the Sumerian series over there but uh yeah there's really nothing else that i want to talk about uh here with this first episode in uh, of Conan i think eventually once i get through all 21 stories anything that's left in the Marvel comics Line and the the Dark Horse line. I may go back and just read those comics and and just continue with these episodes talking about the 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 original Conan stories as told. Uh, you know that that Marvel wrote and that Dark Horse wrote. So that might be kind of fun. Until then, folks, you can uh, leave me feedback in the usual places. It's all in the show notes. Um, I urge you to go out to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating. You don't have to spend any time reviewing the show, but if you want to give us a rating, it's it's just as simple as as tapping, you know, one to five stars, five being the best. And uh, you can also join us over at the forum at forum.justanotherfanboy.com. You can subscribe to my newsletter, Steven Says Stuff. You can find that at list.justanotherfanboy.com and get every episode I do each week, whether it's Just Another Fanboy or the Superman Super Show or my other podcast or the upcoming Just Another Fanboy Presents which that's a little tease I I have announced it out there on Twitter and on the forums I haven't done an official announcement here uh on the podcast yet but um basically there there the the trailer is out there um I'll put a link in the show notes for the trailer but I I'm starting this this new podcast called Just Another Fanboy Presents and uh Basically, I've been doing all these episodes here on Just Another Fanboy, like like ElfQuest and what I'm doing here with Conan and uh, Madman, and trying to focus on a, a particular run of books. But I've spread them out. You know, you might get a, an episode of ElfQuest and then not get the next one for another month or two. Whereas I'm going to devote an entire season of Just Another Fanboy Presents to one particular storyline or run of comics and season one which starts in october is all going to be uh the death of superman which i will be looking at each issue from the death of superman uh each week that it was released 30 years ago so you'll get some more information in the trailer and when the episode zero launches next month in october but you know until then folks uh my name's is steven and i'm just another fanboy be nice to each other
1: So it was that Conan mourned his lost Valeria. At length he sought adventure in distant lands and trod the jeweled thrones of the earth beneath his sandaled feet. Until at last, he found his own kingdom and wore his crown upon a troubled brow.
2: Bye-bye, Daddy. Good job.